I've been reading through the books of Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, and Ezekiel. And if you read those books, they'll shake you. They'll shake you. I always end up reading Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, and Ezekiel. My reading schedule always end up around November, December. It just seems like that. My wife says, well, why don't you read them in January? I says, well, after you read those books uh, through October, November, and December, you don't want to pick it back up in January and read them again. They're rough, tough books. It's about, the, about Israel and the trouble Israel had uh, with God. And Israel, Israel is an example of, of how not to be, really, in, in so many ways with God and how they struggle. But a lot of the Bible says that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. And I believe that the Old Testament is profitable for us New Testament Christians. Uh, I believe they were saved by looking forward to Jesus. We're saved by looking back to him. We're all saved under the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Nobody's going to go into heaven without some sort of belief and faith in the, in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ shed on Calvary. For he died for the sins of mankind. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. They believe from, from the back towards the cross, and we believe out in front of the cross back. But you trust in, in the Messiah that was to come. Take your Bibles, if you would, to Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 33 and verses 30 through 33. I found these to be a very strange passage. I have preached on this before. Uh, about six years ago, I was, I was actually shocked when I went back and found out I had preached on this already. I thought I'd never preached on this passage. I thought, oh boy, I found something I haven't done yet, I haven't worked on yet, but yet we had. But I was still laid, laid it, God laid it on my heart to do it this morning. I hope it helps you. I believe God placed you here this morning. I believe this is a supernatural meeting this morning. If I didn't believe that, I'd quit and go do something else. This is a supernatural meeting between you and God. Yes, I'm the preacher. I'm up here. I got feet of clay, no doubt about it. But the Word of God, somehow through the preaching of God, through the blessed Holy Spirit of God, will penetrate our hard hearts and get into our minds and show us where we need to improve and where, where or, or whether you're doing well. It may just encourage you. Some people just may be here doing the right thing, doing where they ought to be, and God's just going to encourage you. Others may not be where you ought to be, and God will encourage you to do right and to get where you want to be. I hope you don't, the, the title of the sermon is, Why Do You Come to Church? I hope you don't come to church to be entertained. Uh, we don't mind having songs, and we sing, and we love to praise God and worship, lift Him up in worship, but it's not about entertainment. We believe that we come to church, uh, for the whole thing is, is to uh, help us be closer to heaven so God can encourage us, strengthen us, and teach us. I believe it's a supernatural meeting. So Ezekiel chapter 30, verse 30 through 33. Also thou son of man, the children of thy people, that's amazing, children of thy people still are talking against thee. They were talking against Ezekiel and what he was doing. They're talking by the walls and in the doors of the houses and speak one to another, every one to his brother saying, and they come unto thee as the, as the people, if you want to underline that three words, as the people cometh, and they sit before thee as my people. That's another phrase you may want to underline. And they hear thy words, 
and this is for sure one you want to emphasize, but they will not do them. For with their mouth they show much love, not a little bit of love, but much love, but their heart goeth after their covetousness. And lo, thou art unto them as a very lovely song. And I, I could entitle this a very lovely song. I would have loved to have used that but I decided not to, but a very lovely song of one that has a pleasant voice and can play well on an instrument. In other words, people come to hear somebody with a beautiful voice. They enjoy listening to the singing. This person's not just got a normal voice, but are usually beautiful. They, have, they play an instrument, but not just normally, but they play the instrument very well. It's very wonderful and pleasant to hear them. And he says, my people come like that to hear thy words, but they do them not. This is a problem. And when this cometh to pass, lo, and it will come, then shall thou know that a prophet hath been among them. What is a prophet? A prophet in the Bible is a God-called and appointed individual. The individual is not self-appointed. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 4 says, No man taketh this honor unto himself, but he that is called of God, as was Aaron. God called me to be in the ministry. My first call from God was at 10 years old, believe it or not. I went to my mother and my dad, and I said, God is calling me to do something for him. And they said, well, go back into your bedroom, and if God says any more to you, just say you'd be glad to do it. You'd be want to do it. And I went back to the bedroom and told God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. And I had no idea what was going on. 10-year-old kid. And then as I grew up and got older, I didn't want to do the things of God. I didn't want to be in the ministry. I had one thing I didn't want to do in life, and that was to be a preacher because I was backslid out of the will of God. And God wouldn't let me go. He called me and kept working around me and finally broke me at 18 years old. I was taking LSD. I was in my bedroom tripping out, you people in the 60s. And I was tripping out and I went into a completely horrible, horrific, uh, what they call bad trip, bad hallucinations. It was de demons and all kinds of other things were around me. And I just said, God, have mercy on my soul. I give you my life if you'll help me. As soon as I said those words, the room grew quiet and there was no more visions of any wickedness or vileness and it was gone. Now, I, I had done enough LSD to tell you that that don't happen. LSD takes about 12 hours to wear off. But instantly, as I asked God and cried out in mercy because I meant what I said, I'll do what you want me to do. So I knew from that moment on, I was going to do the will of God. Whatever it was, I wanted to do the will of God. Well, guess what? He called me to the ministry. Just what he did number as 10 years old, 18 years old. I wanted to go to a secular college. He called me to a Christian school. Not just any Christian school, but at that time, Bob Jones University was like kind of a West Point of, for Christians. A discipline. They told you when to get up, when to go to bed, make your bed, clean your sink. If you didn't do it, you went into a discipline committee and had to answer for it. Here I was 18 years old with my own job, my own car, my own independence. And I thought, what in the world am I doing here? This is crazy. They're treating me like a kid. Well, what they were trying to, what they were trying to do was give me some discipline in my life. And they helped me out. By the way, I give high credit to that time at school. 
So I believe a, a prophet of God, a, a, God calls these people to be prophets, as it were. Secondly, a prophet speaks what God tells him to speak, usually not what people like to hear. The people on TV that are telling people what they want to hear and trying to uh, lighten them up of their money, trying to send money, send money, it's all illegitimate. Quit it. Don't go. Don't do that. Don't do that. I do podcasts. I do These sermons are all over the web. We never ask for a dime. It's not about the money. It's about trying to help people. I'd be dubious if they're up there spending of 30 minutes they have on the air, spending 15 of the minutes trying to collect money. <coughs> that would bother me, and it does bother me. But a prophet, typically, a God's, pe- God's prophet doesn't say what people like to hear or want to hear, but he tells them what they need to hear, the truth. And it involves some kind of change, uh, possibly a moving away from evil in their life, a moving toward God, I believe sanctification is a moving away from evil and a moving toward God. That's what God wants us to do. A cessation of wickedness in their life, a commencement of good in their life. But change, as you know, is not normally easy or welcome. You all say amen to that? My wife right now is decorating our house. She's in a frenzy. It's a Christmas frenzy. I mean, I, I took a picture of one of our rooms and sent it to Dr. Bailey, if you're watching here this morning. He's up in Tennessee, and Dr. Ben took a picture of Dr. Bailey just to have him sympath- be sympathetic with me. You know, when he wrote me back, he said, let her run with it, brother. <laughs> she wants to change. She wants me to get rid of my, my lazy boy I bought 30 years ago. I hate that chair. That's my sweet thing. I don't want to get rid of it. I don't like change. And none of us like change, really. We struggle with change. And change can be tough. Our, the, the writers of the uh, preamble of the Constitution wrote this. All experience has shown that mankind are more disposed to suffer while evils are sufferable than to right themselves by abolishing the forms to which they're accustomed. In other words, the uh, 13 colonies were under King George. They were suffering under King George badly. He was taxation without representation. He was abusing them in all kinds of ways. And it was hard for them to say, we don't want that form of government anymore. We're not going to accept King George as our leader. We're going to have a revolution against King George and establish our own country. Let me tell you, they were divided. It wasn't so like everybody got together and said, that's a great idea. People struggle with change. Even if it's good change, they struggle with it. Hence, we have the resistance and aversion to change even when God comes by your house, especially if that change is away from something pleasant and comfortable in our life. Do you say amen to that? Do you know that? Do you feel that? John chapter 3, verse 19, 21 is an enlightening passage, Jesus' own words. He said, this is the condemnation that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light. Why? Because their deeds are evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. Basically what's saying, what, what sends so many people to hell is they just don't want to change. They love their sin more than they 
love the Savior who died for them. People will die and spend eternity in hell because they simply do not want to give up the pleasure of sin for a season. That's a sad thing, isn't it? But what, then it's going back to the Ezekiel passage that we read, what, what's strange, people will come and hear what the prophet or what the preacher has to say, even, they don't, even though they don't want to do what he says. Uh, some come maybe out of curiosity, some maybe from fear, uh, some come from genuine, genuinely to know God and to do his will. But where the rubber meets the road is whether you're doing the will of God, not just hearing the will of God. Look at look back here. Blessed are they that hear the word of God and do what? Say it together. Keep it. I know it's nice to go to church and hear the Bible preached. But you can go to church for 50 years and hear the Bible preached and die and go to hell if you don't trust God and change. Being born again is about change. It's not about new knowledge because there's all kinds of intellectually uh, assenting Christians out there, people who believe in Jesus as a historical figure. They believe he existed. They believe that maybe he did what the, what's said about him. They, they're, they're kind towards him. They like him, but he's not their savior. How do you know if Jesus is your savior? You'll change. Your life will change. It'll conform to the word of God. I knew when I got right with God at 18 years old in 2003 Cassava Street in Elkhart, Indiana, up there in my bedroom that night, and I cried out to God, and he answered me. I knew ahead of me was a massive amount of change. The first thing I knew was that my girlfriend, Kathy Moore, which is now my wife, by the way, Kathy Moore had to get saved or I wasn't going to be able to marry her. She wasn't saved. She was a, what I call nominal Catholic. She went to church, you know, once a year or less. When they told her to do penance, she said she'd do it. She wouldn't. When she went to confession, she lied about when she went last time. Stuff like that. I'll confess her sin and mine. But I knew in my heart, I can't marry. I love that girl. I love that girl. I thought she was the one. I thought she was my soulmate. Call her what you want. But I said, the little voice in my head said, you know you can't marry her if she don't get saved. I'm not going to unequally yoke. I'm not going to disobey the Bible. I'm going to obey the Bible. And so I went to her and I said, you know, Kathy, you need, you need Christ your Savior. And I'm a terrible testimony I, up to this moment. You haven't seen any of Christ in me, but I just got right with God. I know you don't know what that means, but would you at least read this gospel tract? She read this gospel tract. She was very interested, brought under conviction, eventually went to church, went forward, you don't have to go forward to get saved, but she went forward and got saved. My parents didn't think it was real. They said she's just getting saved because she wants to marry you, and she knows that's a criteria now. And, and you know, I was such a good catch, I understand. <laughs> she was from the south side of the tracks. I was from the north side of the tracks, if you know what that means. And... Uh, she got saved. I said, no, I believe she got saved. She started reading her Bible, started wanting to know about God, witnessing to her friends, passing out gospel tracts to them. I thought, man, that's, that's change. Being saved is about change. 
Why do you come to church? I come to church because I want to be changed. That's why. I want God to change me into his image and his likeness. And I need help in that. I don't know about you, but I, I know about you, actually. You do need help, and so do I. Because really going to, you know, it's interesting. Look in verse uh, 31 there, Ezekiel 33. says, and they come unto thee as my people cometh, and they sit before thee as my people, and they hear thy words, and they will not do them. For there with their mouth they show much love, but with their heart goeth after covetousness. They go after this world. That simply means who, let me ask you a question this morning. Who is number one in your life? If you're a born-again Christian, Jesus is number one. There's no question. He don't take any other spot but one. Because the reality of it all is he's the God of all that is, the God who made us and designed us and architected the whole thing. He deserves to be number one. And whether you like it or not, he is number one. And when you hear his words and then do not do them, what are you telling him? You're not number one. Whatever you are doing and whatever you are obeying, that's number one. Does that make sense to you? Right? If a husband comes to his wife and says, I love you, but has another woman, he's lying. He loves the other woman. In fact, no man can serve two masters. He'll love one, despise the other. That's what Jesus said. You're not going to love two women. You're going to love one of them and despise the other one. And be, you're not, you know, you with me on this? I knew a woman one time came by the church. In fact, she was a member of Gospel Baptist Church. And years ago, you won't know who it is. And she was uh, married to a guy, and I knew both of them well. Had eaten with them a few times, and and she uh, got a divorce from him, and it was sad. He got divorced from him, and he eventually died shortly after that. And then she moved in with a man. I said, "What?" One of my, one of my uh, faithful members, God bless her soul, came and said, I don't know if you know this, but so-and-so just moved in with a man. I said, so I called her in my office. I said, you, you, you. now this woman, this woman loved Jesus from her mouth. Oh, love Jesus. He's my savior. Oh, he's the best. Oh, and, and you couldn't be around her without her telling you how much she loved God, loved the Bible, loved the church, loved the things of God. As one listens to a very lovely song uh, sung by someone with a beautiful voice and can play the instrument well, but she did not do what she heard. My people, it says there, Ezekiel, show much love. And this woman, if I would ever say a person that sh showed a lot of love, it was her. I mean, you'd be around her, you'd say, now that woman's a good Christian. Now that woman really loves God. Now that woman's got it down. But she was living with this guy. I brought her in my office. I said, you can't do that. I showed her in the Bible, flee from even the appearance of evil. She said, well, this guy in there, I always like the way they tell me this, and I've had a few of these cases through the years. They're never doing anything. I just need a place to live. He's got a room. We'll move in with another woman. But don't move in with a man because all your neighbors think you're having fornication with this guy. And the Bible says, flee from the appearance of evil. And you say you're a born-again Christian. You're hearing the testimony of the church. You're hearing the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. you got to move out. I'm your preacher. you got to move out. She said, I'm not going to. 
Oh, I said, okay. Matthew chapter 18 tells us what to do. We call the deacons together. A couple, I actually had a couple, two, three deacons, and I said, we're going to meet with the deacons, and we're going to deal with you on this, and you come and meet with them. She said, well, okay, I'll come. I said, you're going to come? Yeah, she said, I'm going to come. Well, she never did. Down the road, she married a guy. I was right. They were messing around. That was a good case of people loving with their mouth, but not loving with their heart. Because I'm going to tell you this this morning, you do what your heart tells you to do. You obey what your heart moves you to do. And if God's got your heart, you'll obey God and do what he wants you to do. But if the world's got your heart, covetousness, if the world's got your heart, you're going to do what they say to do. What's going to be number one is what they want to do. What's going to be number one is what they seek for. What they, what's going to be number one is what the world puts up as best for you. If you love God and mean it in your heart, you're going to do what God says is number one. You're going to do what the Bible says is number one. And that's good truth. There's a strange thing happening here at the children of Israel and Ezekiel. By the way, they're already in captivity by the time Ezekiel's written. They come and listen. They sit as my people. They vote with their feet. They vote with their presence. They want to absorb what's being said. They express their happiness and approval, both verbally and they give financially with their showing much love. But they're really interested by their actions in the world. They want to do what the world does. Gain is their God. Gain is their God. The world is their focus. Material things reign as first long before the kingdom of God reigns as first. Now, they add God onto their life like you would buy a life insurance policy. Some people come to God and say, okay, I believe there's a heaven and a hell. I believe when you die, you go somewhere. So I want to trust Christ as my Savior. And I want when I, they'll get saved, they'll make a profession of faith. They'll make confession of faith before a bunch of people. They'll go get baptized. They'll join the local church. And then they just go back to their way, the way they were living before. And I'll go to them and I'll say, what's happening? What's happening? Where are you at? And they'll say, well, I got that taken care of. Having Jesus Christ as your personal Savior is not like buying a life insurance policy for the, for the potential problems of the future. Having Jesus Christ as your personal Savior consumes you. He rules you. He now is your Lord and Master. He told, he told the people, he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things that I say? I'm not being mean this morning. I'm the most kind, sweet person you ever met this morning because I'm trying to make sure your eternity is in good shape and that you're saved really by the blood of Christ. What a sad thing it would be to believe that you're saved and die and stand before Jesus and read it if you want to. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, 23. Read it yourself. You're going to be all kinds of people stand before him and say, you know, we know you, Jesus. We've done works for you, Jesus. We've given to you. We've seen even some great things happen. He said, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. What's the word iniquity mean? That means the old, the old song in the 60s, do your thing. Do what you want to do. That's what it is. People have Christ, but they, it's, he's an add-on to their life rather than the king 
of their life. Who is Jesus to you, really? Who is Jesus to you this morning? If he's just an add-on to your life, I've got to give you a warning. I've got to give you a heads up. It's not going to work out for you. It's not going to be good for you. I don't care what internet preacher said. I don't care what, what, what you may have read on the internet, but this is Bible truth. You've got to be careful. The proof's in the pudding. Matthew chapter 7, verse uh, 16. In Jesus' words, he says, verse 16, let's see, 7, 16 through 20. He said, you shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes, thorns, figs, or of thistles? Even so good, a good tree bringeth forth good fruit. And I want to put, you know, Jesus' teaching was so straight up and down, so rudimentary, but so powerful. He says there, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. Duh. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit. Duh. Neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Who doesn't know that? Come on. Who doesn't know that? You've been around. I know some of you think fruit grows at, the, at, at Publix. Shame on you. You need to get out in the country in the light, turn the phones off, turn the TV off, quit watching the movies, and get out and see where things really come from, man. You haven't lived till you've dipped an old, uh, an old chicken in hot boiling water to get the feathers off of that. You ain't smelled nothing quite like that. You'll quit eating chicken for a while. A good tree brings forth good fruit. And he says there, and many, this is maybe one of the more quoted, by your fruits you shall know them. That's one of the more quoted verses of the, of the New Testament, Matthew 7, 20. By their fruits, you shall know them. Basically, what's the Bible saying? If you look like a duck, quack like a duck, walk like a duck, but say you're a chicken, what do you think you are? Probably a duck. You got people out there saying, well, I go to church. I've had people tell me they go to church every day, Mike, Mike every day, every morning. They go 6.30, 7.30. They go to Mass in the morning. Every morning, every day of an all year, 365 times a year, they go to mass. By the way, they hear the same thing happen. I've, I've gone to them myself. They, they hear the same kind of, I can't even believe they can win. Some of you miss church once a week. God forbid, these people are going seven times a week hearing the same thing. What are they doing that for? They think somehow by that, by that going to church that somehow that's going to get some favor with God and that when they die one day, he's going to go like this and he's going to go, well, you went seven days a week and, and I know you were some bad and you had some sin in your life, but this is going to outweigh this. The Bible says not by works of righteousness, but according to his mercy, he saves us. You don't get saved by good works, brother. But if you're saved, you have good fruit. You have works that match your profession. That's what this all about. You've got to have works that match your profession. I hope you get this, and I hope you get it really good. If you're playing church, if you're being religious, if you're trying out Jesus like one tries out a new set of clothes, I believe you can forget it. You do not have what I can see in the Bible after all these years of looking at it. You do not have biblical salvation. 
You're close. You're close. You're so close. But you don't have what it, the Bible defines as being born from above. I like Luke chapter 7, verse 32 says, For John the Baptist came neither eating nor drinking wine, and you say, he hath the devil. The Son of Man is coming eating and drinking, and you say, Behold, a gluttonous man and a wine-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners. No matter how God presented the truth to those folks, they weren't going to believe it. He came, John the Baptist is like he was a wild man. He came, Jesus is a normal man. And either way, they didn't believe it. They didn't believe either way God came to them. You can't dress truth up enough for them to receive it if they want the world. Thou art unto them as a very lovely song of one that hath pleasant voice and can play well out of an instrument, for they hear thy words, but they do not do them. I believe as a Christian we need to examine ourselves. Be careful that you're not playing some sort of game you're going to lose. Luke chapter 11, 28, right behind me. That's why it's up there. It's because of its power. Be it known unto you today that a prophet hath been among you who told you the truth in love. And if you die or go to hell, you want to remember that we pleaded with you, we begged you, we reasoned with you not to go there, to give your heart to Christ. Remember how we loved you and cared for you to tell you the truth in spite of knowing that it very well may offend you because when God comes into your life, he expects you to change and that's not going to be easy. It is not going to be pleasant. It is not going to be, oh boy, I get to quit smoking, drinking, cussing, acting ugly, watching pornography, uh, smoking cocaine, crack, doing drugs, LSD, man. I got born again. Uh, I, I got right when I got at 18 years old. I quit. I had to quit. I knew right away. I had a whole list of things. I had to quit smoking, quit drinking, quit doing drugs, quit having immorality, quit looking at bad stuff. I had a whole list of things. Of don't. Oh, see, Brother Bill, that's really negative. Yeah, those things I quit were real negative. And they were destroying my life little by little. You think the world has a better life than born-again Christians? You haven't looked around enough. Brother, I've been around enough to see a lot of born-again Christians die and go to heaven, and I can tell you that's the way to be. I've seen the unsaved die. They're scared of the fear of death. They should because they're unprepared to die. Now look, death's not fun for anybody. Death's a, t- a process of death's tough, tough. But a born-again Christian goes through so much different than the unsaved. We have a hope. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the assurance of the Word of God. Woo, it's a better way to be. I hope this helps you today. I'm not sure why God moved me to do this, but about two weeks ago, I was deeply, strongly moved to preach this. Don't know why. You say, Brother Bill, are you preaching this because I'm here? No. I didn't know you were going to be here. I may not even know you. I surely don't know your heart, but I'm preaching this because God wanted it preached, and maybe you're here for that very moment.
that maybe the Holy Spirit of God is going to touch you this morning, change you in the right direction. Maybe you need to really repent and trust Him as Savior and get born from above and put Him number one in your life. Our Heavenly Father, we pray that you come this morning. I believe I've been faithful to say those things which you wanted me to say. It's not by might, and it's not by power, but it's by the Holy Spirit, saith the Lord. Pray that you'd come and help some folks be saved, help some born-again Christians to get right with you. They're living out in the world, maybe backsliding out. Not, you're not number one in their life. Oh, my God, may we put you number one because you need to be there and you deserve to be there because you gave yourself for us. Father, we just pray that you'd make these words plain, help the folks understand them, and then to follow those things which they hear. In Jesus' name. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.